just uh, let me add my greetings to everyone that's here in person and online, and we're just glad to be together. And uh, for those of you online, you probably heard this already, but this is our first time to go to two services, and we've done that because a lot of our people here in Amarillo, we're kind of hitting a tipping point. People are getting comfortable coming back to in person, so with our distancing measures, we didn't have room. So we're grateful for those folks that came to first service and uh, to make room here. And we want to make room for our guests. And if you are a guest today, you are most welcome. We're so glad you're here. And uh, just want you to know, you, don't, you may not even know this, but you have the chance of having a home right here. We are, this is a very loving congregation. They got to be to have tolerated me for as long as they have. And so uh, I can recommend it. So today we're kicking off a three-week teaching series about a pandemic. Now, don't leave, don't leave, because we're not talking about the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, that I know we're tired of having to deal with, and we are going to have to deal with that here for a little bit longer, it looks like. So we're not talking about that. I want to talk about a pandemic that predates COVID by quite a lot, and we're calling it a loneliness pandemic. And while loneliness was a problem long before it, I can tell you that the measures that we've had to take in the world because of COVID for the last year has done nothing but exacerbate the problem. And I don't think I've ever used that word up here, and I had to practice saying it, but uh, exacerbate, it just means there's a problem, and then something else comes along and makes that problem worse. And that's exactly what's happened this last year with this pandemic of loneliness. So the stats were bad before COVID, but since COVID, a recent post-COVID couple of studies that I looked at, they report an increase in the experience of loneliness. Uh, between third, depending on the report, depend, between 33 and 40% of adults are experiencing dangerous levels of loneliness. That's, that, that means you look to your right and to your left, find two more adults if you're an adult, and statistically one of you is experiencing this feeling of loneliness. And it gets worse as we get younger, okay? So 60% of teenagers to young adults, so mid-20s, they self-report as feeling extremely lonely. And so it is on the rise and it's on the move and it was already a problem and now it's just worse but it made me ask what is loneliness exactly I know it's a feeling but but what causes it so in preparation for today I did some research and I learned a new term it's called relational poverty and that that kind of gave me a term that helped me realize some things because we all can pretty easily comprehend material poverty we don't all understand it but we all can comprehend material poverty that's defined as when you don't have enough material resources essentials to make it through the day or through the week or through the month and when a human being doesn't it's essentials that you don't have when a human being doesn't have the material essentials food shelter clothing time transportation money when they don't have that kind of uh, those resources, that's a crisis. That's a crisis because it leads to all kinds of other problems. Because if it's essential, you got to take care of those needs. And if you don't have those material resources, it's going to cause some problems. So similarly, relational poverty is defined as not having the connection and intimacy that every human being is required to have in order to 
have a meaningful life. To have a full and meaningful life. Everyone is rigged to need a certain level of intimacy and connection that it's available to them and they know it in order to not be experiencing relational poverty in order to not feel the feeling of loneliness. So loneliness is caused by that. And you might be surprised, I know you're not surprised, that material poverty, while it's here in America and other developed nations, it is much less in developed nations than in a lot of other third world countries on our planet. But relational poverty? Relational poverty is worse in ours and in developed countries than in poor and poverty-stricken countries. And it's got to, you got to ask the question like I do, why? Why is that the case? What causes relational poverty or what causes loneliness? So social experts include in developed nations uh, several things. They say the breakdown of families, and we can all imagine what that would do. Some of you have experienced this, divorce in your family, and it's, it's difficult, right? Like it, it, you, friends sometimes pick sides, or you lose friends because you're not a couple anymore, or, you know, it's just, it's difficult. Maybe, maybe he or she gets the church, and you've got to go find a new church. So it's an, it's, that's a difficulty and can cause loneliness. Another reason is increased mobility. This isn't everyone, but a lot more people, a lot fewer people stay in one place for a long enough of a time in order to create those kind of connections and intimacy that keep you from feeling lonely. And then also, this isn't new to us, just heavy workload or busyness, right? Busyness that we feel and that we take on. You know, I mean, that's one of the three top answers to the question of how are you doing, right? There's fine, but then there's busy, and then related to busy is tired. Those are the top three answers to that question. How are you doing? And, and so busyness can cause loneliness. And then unsurprisingly, surprisingly, a rise, the rise of social media and digital communication. That seems strange because it seems like that's connecting us. But it is, and this is important to note, you can be associated with people, with lots of people, and still not have the intimacy and connection that your heart is designed for. You can have hundreds of followers digitally. You can have thousands of, of, uh, of, of what, what else are there? Friends. You can have thousands of friends digitally. You can have tens of thousands of likes online and still be totally disconnected from people. And while that's true digitally, it can still, and we need to be aware of this, it can be true in person as well. You can be around crowds of people and still be experiencing loneliness. And, and many people are. They, you, you can be around people at school, in your classroom. You can be around people in the workplace. You can be around people in your neighborhood, whether it's your apartment complex community or your residential neighborhood. And you can still feel like you have no one that you can trust. Nobody that trusts you. You can feel like no one cares. That means you can be sitting in a church even. For decades, you can be sitting in a church even, and you still have not broken through the connectivity and the intimacy that you are rigged to need in order to not be lonely. And so this is a big problem because relational poverty is also a crisis. 
relational poverty can lead to a lot of other things. And it's great that the world is increasingly acknowledging loneliness as a problem. If you watch any of our news stations, studies and reports are going up there. But even predating COVID, four years ago, I found an article from our Surgeon General where he reported that loneliness is also linked to a number of negative health consequences. He said that it increases your risk of sleep disturbance, of substance abuse, of depression, and even suicide. It increases your stress hormones and blood pressure and decreases your ability to cope with different obstacles and challenges. One of our shepherds, knowing this series is coming a few weeks ago, Jerry Morgan, he sent me an email where he noticed that over in Japan, just last month, February, they created a brand new government position called the Minister of Loneliness. And I did some research, and the thing they are addressing in Japan, developed nation, is the, is the rise of suicide. They have tracked that back to people feeling alone. And a little more research, and I found out that two other developed nations, Canada and England, they've had a minister of loneliness in their government for three years already. So it's great that society is acknowledging it as a problem, but if you think about it, they're really just catching up with theologians who have taught and studied and presented the Bible for a long time. Loneliness, I hate that loneliness is a problem, but we've known it for a long time if we've studied Scripture. So we've been learning as a church family how to study Scripture and what lenses we can put on to use in order to extract from Scripture what God really intends through that thing. And one of the lenses that we've learned to use is through the lens of story. And way back at the beginning of the story, our first book, Genesis, God is creating this beautiful setting within which we, he was going to place us. And he keeps saying everything's good. And he creates fish, and that's good. And, and the sky, and the land, and that's good. And the ocean, and animals, and birds, and that's good. Everything's good. He creates man. That's good. It's all good. But then he gets, just in the second chapter, still in the first page of our story, he gets to the first thing that he declares from heaven on high. That's bad. That is not good. You know it, don't you? It's in Genesis 2. Some of you do. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. And, and this hit me, I've taught that before, but this hit me uniquely this time that when, when the average person on the street or even in the church pew, the Christian in the church pew, when you ask someone, you know, what do you think God thinks is bad? We always go to sin, right? Sin is, that's what God says is not good. Sin is not good. Following God is good. Obeying him is good. That's not good. And it's interesting to me that the first thing God dictates is not good predates even sin. And it's being alone. It's, that's just amazing. Sin wasn't even in existence when this happened. So this is more ancient of a problem for the human race than even the ones we bring upon ourselves. We're rigged. We're rigged to need intimacy and connection in order to have a meaningful life. And God, right there at the beginning, he addressed it. He addressed it with Eve. And then through the rest of the story, you see that he is 
always taking care of people in terms of groups. Even when he calls out someone, and we like studying the individual people in the Bible and the men and women that are called by God to do something, but even them, he always calls them to bless and in the context of those groups. God knows it's not good to be alone. We know it's not good to be alone. I think that's so interesting. And it occurs to me that loneliness, loneliness is a feeling, right? Loneliness in and of itself, that feeling cannot kill. Loneliness unaddressed, however, the studies say can. One way or the other, right? Literally, suicide rates go up when loneliness goes up. But there, even if it doesn't go to the level of taking your own life, There is a death that we experience when we live this life without the connection. Even though we're breathing and functioning, there is a death inside of us that happens when we do not have the connection and intimacy that we were designed to have. And so it needs to be addressed. We got to ask that. And that's what we're going to be asking these three weeks. How do we address loneliness? And we'll get into more detail in the next two weeks on what you can do to address your own loneliness and to be sure you do not slip into that place of relational poverty. We're going to talk about how you can create and receive and create intimacy with others and with God so that you do not fall into this. But for today, I want to just mention a few things that we can do and that we see Jesus himself doing. We're somewhat obsessive about Jesus around here. We always look to him for guidance, his teachings, what he models. And so we're going to look at a few things that we see in his life and ministry when he was here. And I'm just going to tell you, these are embarrassingly simple, but they are universally needed. They are needed. They are crucial. So the first area that helps with this loneliness. If we're going to love people who are lonely, and that's what we're called to do. It's the most important command. We, we can get everything else wrong. We need to get love right. We need, to, we need to love, right? And so if we're going to love the lonely, the first thing I want to talk about is loving with touch. That is something that has been stolen from us, especially in these last months and in this last year. I, I can hear husbands everywhere elbowing their wives. That's right. Love with touch. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about just in society, meaningful, appropriate touch. Touch was an intentional act of love utilized by Jesus. I went and looked, and in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all the the biography of Jesus, okay? Touch, Jesus touching someone else is reported or spoken of over 30 times in those four books. The authors of those books, many of which watched him decide, and this decided to report that. And this struck me because I don't find any other autobiography or biography of anybody where you intentionally point out where they touched someone, okay? But Jesus did. The rest of the New Testament combined, there's only seven mentions of the word touch. In Jesus' life and ministry, it's mentioned and recorded over 30 times. Touch was an intentional act of love utilized by Jesus. When COVID first hit, uh, we, like so many churches, we, you know, we didn't know enough. We didn't know a lot about it and everything. So we had shut down our in-person services and we went to online. 
And one of my favorite parts, sitting at home with my family, watching uh, worship, was what we affectionately became called the wave video. Y'all remember that? Some of you who are members here. A couple of our ministers, Ryan and Kyle, they, they took it upon themselves to call a dozen or so people a week and go by their houses during the week. And then we'd get to see families and kids. And, and the worship was great, Doyle, and the teaching was exceptional. But uh, but my favorite part of the worship service was that wave video, just seeing all of my people to stay in touch when we couldn't actually be here, touching. And it was so important and so beautiful. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because Ryan went by one of our ladies' houses, sweet widow uh, among us, and, and she just so grateful for the visit and says hi to us and everything, does the wave thing. But she reported to Ryan, and he reported to us. He says, you know, Ryan... I have not been touched by another human being for over three months. Now, here's what I want to point out. Of all of the inconveniences that she was experiencing and that we were experiencing during COVID, during our quarantine, right? Why'd she point that one out? Because she missed it. Because it matters. Because it's a part of the human experience and it is a big part. Embarrassingly simple but crucial and important. So we don't just love with touch, but just as important, if not more so, is we want to love with listening. Now I can hear wives everywhere airborne their husbands. That's right, that's right, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. I want you to listen. Jesus had a little phrase that he utilized regularly. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. And this strikes me a little bit and convicts me because that means it is possible to have these and audio signals are actually coming your way, but you're not hearing. And that is, tell me that's not common in our interpersonal uh, conversations these days. I'm guilty of it, probably to my wife and my kids the most, but it can happen to where we're not fully there. We, we, some of us even brag about, oh, we're, we're really good at multitasking and we don't even realize that's like a confession that I'm really horrible at focusing on one thing at a time. I'm really horrible at that. And when we multitask, and yeah, yeah, I mean, how many of you done this? Just, just keep going. No, keep going, keep going. I'm, I'm just, just take a second. I mean, we, it is so common and so normal. We don't eat, we're hardly, we're not even offended by it anymore. You know, it's just that common. But listening is so important if people, being heard is so important for the lonely. In our one training seminar that I do occasionally, I have this place where we take a look and we examine how we listen. There's actually a quote from Jesus where he says, take care how you listen. And so I want us to pay attention to that. So I put up these continuums to where everyone, all the students can just take a minute and mark on this continuum where you probably lie in terms of these uh, categories. Do you listen to fix or do you listen to learn? Where do you fit on there? Do you listen until you're finished? Or do you listen until they're finished? Where do you, where do you fall on that? Are you listening only to what they're saying? Or are you so present that you're listening to what they're not saying? Are you listening until you feel like you understand? This is my, I'm guilty. But you know, you know how that is, right? I get it, I get it, I get it. Let me respond. I've already planned my response. I'm ready. Do you listen until you feel like you understand or do you listen until you know they feel understood? This, 
This person over here is going to be a much different experience than this person over there. And those people that have that don't feel lonely. They feel known. They feel connection and intimacy. And then lastly, uh, listen with invitation. And this is really the secret sauce. And what touch and uh, listening can even accomplish is just invitation. We need to feel invited. And Jesus, this is this, one of the epic statements of Jesus really characterizes his whole life and ministry as he walked this earth among us. It's in Matthew 11. We call it the great invitation sometimes. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'll take care of that. I'm, I'm here for that. I want to address that. I'll give you rest. And we as churches, we're supposed to be the ones doing that. Not just for the world, for the world, but for each other as well. For each other. We're supposed to say, come to me. And trust me, loneliness is a burden. It is wearisome. And so come to me, those you who are lonely. We as a church need, no one, not any one of us can do it for everyone, but all of us should be doing it for each other and offering it to the world because there's a pandemic. There's a loneliness pandemic. So in the end, loneliness is addressed when people know that they're not alone. They know they're not alone when they feel invited. Connected, intimacy, it's available to them. That's what it is. So here, here's what we're going to do. If you're a guest, we're going to ask our elders and our ministers and their spouses to move around the room here and, and go out in the foyer to greet you on your way out and maybe even outside. If you just need a touch, that's what we're, they're doing this for. We want to connect with you. We do want to give you a touch if that's what you're needing. And, um, and anything else that you might have, any questions or anything, we want to do that. So let me, let, me, let me just end with a little personal testimony. If somebody asked me, I was telling this, and I was, you know, relational poverty. I was like, loneliness. If somebody asked me, Brian, do you feel lonely? Do you feel lonely? I would get to say gloriously, no, I don't. And if you followed up with that and said, why? Where do you get that connection and intimacy that's available? Where do you get that? I would say right here. I have it. I am not lonely. I do not experience relational poverty because of these people right here. Some of these people I don't get to talk to for months, but I know I can. I know I can. I'm, I am relationally wealthy. It's, what the, it's one of the big deals of the church. And so if you are lonely, you, 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 you're invited right here. The church is uniquely designed to satisfy that. And if this church, for whatever reason, doesn't connect with you, there is a church in town that's or in your town that is available. That's part of the joy of being in the kingdom is the fellowship of, of, the, of the saints. And, and I gotta say this too, because I know there are some of you, you've been among us for a long time. You've been in the church for a long time, maybe decades, and you still suffer in silence. You suffer some loneliness because you haven't received the intimacy and the connection that's offered to you. For whatever reason, and you've sat in my office and broken that silence, and I've heard some great reasons. Like really, tough stuff, but, it, but it's hard work to be connected. It's just worth it. So uh, I'll finish with this. There's a Serena Williams, possibly the greatest tennis player to ever live. Back in 2018, she was in one of those 
world tournaments. I think it was the championship, and she lost because of so many fouls that she was, so many penalties that she had. That's at least the, the story. And the first penalty she had was one I'd never heard before. It was, it was uh, illegal coaching. I was like, what? Evidently, her coach, her tennis coach, gave her some instruction from the sideline. And that's illegal in tennis. Did you know this? Tennis has got to be the loneliest of sports because it's embedded in the rules. Once the game starts, even when you take a break and you go sit down, no coaching, no friends, no observations from anybody, you are on your own. Measuring your opponent, all that. I mean, even other sports like boxing, you, you go to your corner and you get support and you get your sweat and blood wiped and sewed up if you need to and coaching if you need it. And, and I mean, you can do all that in any other sport, but not tennis. That's the rules. Making tennis, it's got to be the loneliest sport. So many of us, so many people think there's some unspoken rule out there that we've got to do it alone. This, am I not, is that not right? We feel like we can't ask for help. We can't reach out. We can't, loneliness, we shouldn't feel lonely. That shouldn't happen, but it's a natural reaction to relational poverty. And it's an alert system, like pain is an alert system that you need to deal with something. Loneliness is an alert system that you need to deal with something. And one of those things might be breaking the unspoken rule that I got this. So that, that we think there's a rule that says we should be good alone. But we have it, church, from high, high, high authority. Alone is not good. It's not good. And we need to help each other, and you need to help yourself and receive that. So let's stand and let's sing, and if we can help you with this or any other thing, please come.